Welcome, everyone, to Season 3, Episode 110 of the Premiere Pod. I'm your host, Yash Bika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. And in a pretty eventful Premier League week last week, it was uh, last weekend, I would say, uh, we finally, we've got a game, a big six game or quote unquote big six game that actually lived up to expectations, actually lived up to more than expectations. And we had an overall, uh, I would say, somewhat low score weekend. I know Leicester put five against Sheffield, but it was a pretty good weekend overall. Not the most exciting, but not the most boring, I would say. Um, but we have to start it off with the Arsenal-Tottenham game. Arsenal ended up winning this game 2-1 at the Emirates. What was crazy here was the play of Eric Lamella. Just Eric Lamella in general. Just the enigma that is Eric Lamella. I think we have to acknowledge that. I know Tyler right now is rocking an Argentina jersey, but don't worry, it's not an Eric Lamella Argentina jersey. It is a Paulo Dybala jersey. Um, but it is the enigma of Eric Lamella, the one where you see him perform probably one of the greatest goals that will probably go down in Premier League history, a Rabona, like a clean Rabona goal. And then for him to do probably one of the most dumbest moves in Premier League history, just straight up elbowing a Arsenal player, pretty much, if you were to ask any Tottenham fan, just sums up Eric Lamella's career in uh, in a span of, I would say, maybe 45, 60 minutes. He was subbed on for Hyunmin Son, I believe. So he didn't even mm-hmm. start the game. And I remember one of our friends, he just kind of, uh, he basically said the same thing about Eric Lamella's career. It's just that. It's just summed up in that red card right there. That the beautiful Rabona goal and the red card. Just the the dichotomy of Eric Lamella. I, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know if Tyler, you could explain it any better. No, that's basically <laughs> we don't even have to explain it. You just have to see. You just have to watch the game and see what he did. Where, <laughs> you know, unfortunately Hungman's Hungman's son, he was yeah. out for He looked like he picked up really a hamstring know. and injury. Yeah. It's just one of those pulled hammies, but you know Eric Lamella got subbed in and basically, like as you said, just scored a first time Rabona into the bottom right corner yeah. and put Tottenham ahead at that time. And we thought we were just thinking at that point, it's like, all right, I remember when Eric Lamella did that, like a sick Rabona goal, also in the Europa League against some random small team from middle of nowhere, but. <laughs> Like he did it once again in the Premier League in the North London Derby. That's insane. Like that is something that will go down as like one of the top goals of all time just because of the occasion and just the audacity to do it with three Arsenal players in the way. He nutmegged Thomas Partey doing it. Like that's crazy. It was crazy how how clean he struck it too. He got like like the pace correctly and the accuracy just on point. That was insane. I know it's hard to like visualize just being an audio podcast, but just imagine like the perfectly executed Rabana done in real time in a game. But I mean, I will say it was uh, kind of reaction said it all when he was just like, if you're watching, oh, yeah. before, <laughs> Reg- like, head- Regri Lawn was just following him like as a fanboy, just just in <laughs> awe and shock after the goal. Like when you when you can impress your other teammates, just like other professional soccer players for a goal, then that's when you know it's it's gone crazy. That's when you know it's, it's sick. But I will that, say it was slightly spoiled yeah. by the fact that Eric Lamella got that red card from slapping Kieran Tierney <laughs> in the face from trying to shield it. And that's literally Lamella for you. He does something amazing and then he just, just does something so dumb and he gets sent off. And now the little the depth of that right side and I guess he played left because that's where his son played. But just like the more depth of the winger position now is just like a little bit in turmoil because of Lamella being sent off. 
Yeah, I, w- I was going to say, um, I guess going back to that Rabona goal, Tyler, since you played um, in more organized team soccer than I have, if a opposing player pulled off a Rabona like the way he did, would, would you as the opposing team be really mad or would you applaud it? Or would your next mission would be to like, like, like teach him a lesson or send one of your other players to like teach him a lesson to not do that again? It would really depend on the player who did it. Like if it's if it's like a nice guy, like a good player, like if I saw like, you know, one of my friends who I know who's like really good, just like a good all around person. It's just like if he does this, like I can't even be mad. Like that was a good goal. And mm-hmm. usually I would be like that for most people. But if like the other person is like an Eric Lamella, just like trash talking <laughs> just the whole time. I don't really play defense, but I mean, if if I have to track back and, you know, give a give a little shove. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he'd be the type to get targeted. A lot of the trash talkers are the ones who get targeted from <laughs> defenders, midfielders, you, you know, you can name it. But, you know, I, I would also kind of go into the stereotype of the people who have the audacity to even try that. It's just like the showboaters, <laughs> trash talkers. So <laughs> They're usually a certain type of player. <laughs> yeah. So, because I mean, most normal people would just, you know, hit it with the left foot or something. But mm-hmm. he's like, you know what? Time to time to show them off, five star skill on them. But that's how it is. I I first I don't know. These days I probably wouldn't do anything crazy. I just probably applaud it because I'm just in that old state of mind. I'm just like it's whatever at this point. I'm <laughs> I'm past I'm past the the prime. It's just all for fun leagues now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was gonna say the um, I I was I was gonna say the red card he got was kind of karma for what he did to Anthony Martial earlier in the season when he basically got Martial sent off for basically he like hit Martial oh. and then Martial gave him a little tap on the face and then he falls down like clutching his face <laughs> and then he got Martial sent off so it, the world whatever comes around goes around as they always say so Lamella definitely got the uh, the karma bit him in the back in this game for sure I didn't even think about that that's so yeah. true. It definitely put him in the back. I, as a United fan, I was so happy seeing him get sent off because I was like, yes, this is what this guy deserves. Loki, no one really likes Lamella. Not even Tottenham fans. He's just, as the gamers would say, he's BM. He's bad mannered. <laughs> and like the amount of hype he had also being bought for 30 million pounds back in the days from Roma. And like yeah. he didn't really he was live with the up bail to money, it. Right? Uh, Over a year after bail money believe so because he was i think it was him soldado and christian erickson they're all bought as like part of the bail money and then the only real person that kind of panned out was like erickson <laughs> <laughs> or no was it paulinho i mean well, it was, yeah, it was something was there it was literally like it was such a fail but eric lamello has not really gotten that much better than when he first came to tottenham in my opinion he's just yeah. done a few flashy things but it just still feels like he has the mentality of a young man. Yeah. And the, a young it, boy. <laughs> I, I guess we don't want to spend too much time with Lamella, but he is definitely the perfect embodiment of a, of a stereotypical Jose Mourinho player. Like Mourinho and all of his squads, I feel like always has that one player that the only reason he's there is just to really annoy the heck out of any anyone he faces. For United, it was always Ander Herrera who was playing that role of just like doing the most... Um, just antic wise, just like some of the like the most foolish things. So like just rolling around a lot or like really getting into other people's faces and just riling people up at Chelsea. It was like Diego Costa. Um, and now at Tottenham, it's uh, it's Eric Lamella. I'm trying to remember who was it at Real Madrid. Would it be like Pepe? 
Yeah, it's definitely Pepe. I mean, Sergio Ramos as well. Yeah. Just so you, he can, always you can has think. like it's that, like who he always has like I feel people? like wherever he goes, he always has like that one guy that just like his main goal is just to annoy the crap out of like the other team. Yeah, I, I feel like there's players we can just name off the top of our, our heads that are just known for being kind of somewhat bad mannered and it's just like <laughs> or not bad mannered, but like you know, ones who just get a little too riled up and you know, like beat all <laughs> or like you know, who it's a little hot headed. Yeah. And just, uh, like, I feel like every team kind of has one of those players. Even mm-hmm. like Liverpool, I feel like right now is Thiago. Like, really? I'd probably be the person I think of because he, you don't really realize it, but like every game, I feel like he gets a he gets a yellow card for like some weird slide tackle. Like he just goes crazy for like just split seconds every game. Like Dang. he just gets way too aggressive. It's like, relax. <laughs> 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 what the heck was that? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, that is true, though. I, I still think like I, I definitely think that each team kind of has like that player. Like if you were to maybe relate it back to NBA, like a Draymond Green, that's just like he gets everyone mm-hmm. really hyped up due to his like his aggressiveness and just his uh, overall mannerisms. But I feel like Mourinho, his specialty is like finding finding that player and then like raising his intensity to like extra notches to like make him even more of a, a nuisance. Um, but also that ends up coming to bite him in the back uh, when you know, he elbows people and gets a red card for it. Um, but dang, I, I will say for overall, um, for Arsenal, this is actually a really good result for them. I know we, we've been talking about Tottenham this whole time, even though Arsenal won the game. <laughs> but Arsenal did this without Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who this season obviously hasn't been their best player statistically and just overall hasn't been their best player. You would have to give it to more of the youngsters like Saka, Kieran Tierney and such. But Aubameyang was left out of this game for disciplinary uh, reason so Lacazette got the start but hey, they, they found a way even after that Rabona goal they found a way to bounce back and I remember watching um, an, an, an analyst for this uh, like analyzing this game and one of the reporters um, I think it was like Robbie Musto he was upset the way Tottenham set up for this game where they decided to sit back most of the time instead of trying to press and make sure that Arsenal defense makes mistakes they just let them have the ball and because of that Arsenal were able to comfortably play out the back and find a way to win. And if I'm Tottenham, I'll be really upset because it's like, dang, I know we said this before, but it's like, we're not even getting like good Jose Mourinho second season vibes. It's like, it's just bad vibes this entire season after like the month of November. It's just been bad vibes. I can definitely feel that. (laughs) As a Liverpool (laughs) fan, it's just, let's just have the season stop. It's like Las Vegas Raiders just pre-Thanksgiving. And then after Thanksgiving, it's just like it just goes downhill. Oh, yeah. But I would say for Arsenal, Aubameyang, he got that disciplinary reason to, you know, get sat out because I believe he was late to practice or something. Mm-hmm. And then someone, someone tweeted a photo of him being stuck in traffic. <laughs> it's just like, look, he's outside my window, mate. He's just he's right here. But he's just like a Ferrari, La Ferrari, just like in Chrome, just stuck in traffic. But I mean... I was surprised that even despite that, he's one of their star players. He's the captain and he still didn't even get subbed on. They didn't even need him. Like they did better without him almost. And Mm -hmm. like the intensity of Arsenal, that whole first half, I felt like they were all like cracked on Red Bull. Like I was thinking, holy cow, like it seems like they're on times two speed and Tottenham were just, you know, meandering about and trying to survive at times 0.75 speed. It just looks like two different teams like just came in with two whole different mentalities for it. And 
it was like kind of shocking because even I think us too, when we predicted this game, we both said Tottenham were going to win based on like just form of the players and just Gareth form Bale. of Gareth Bale in particular, old man Bale. But even old man Bale got shut out. You no know, son, unfortunately, got injured and Harry Kane couldn't really do anything on his own. So like he, he had that one chance. Credit. I think it was like that free mm-hmm. kick, right? Or where he like hit the post at the last closing seconds or closing minutes of the game, something like that. But mm-hmm. even still, like and generally, Davidson Sanchez came in with the, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was just, crazy. But even then, yeah. it was just like it was Arsenal's day. Yeah, it's uh, it, but, it's mm-hmm. weird because I think Arteta has shown that when that team actually shows up to play and like actually listens to him and doesn't make dumb errors, like they can actually win games. They won the FA Cup last year because they didn't make dumb errors and they hit him on the counter attack and. We've seen at certain games this season against Manchester United, Old Trafford, that if they stick to a game plan and don't screw up, because they do have a lot of players that have a tendency to make a lot of mistakes, but if they can get rid of the mistakes, they have shown that, hey, that at least can they can perform. They just got to get rid of the mistakes. And um, it was one of those days where they just didn't have the mistakes in them. And then, you know, they were able to win. They beat Tottenham. So I think this was a big result because I think the past five North London derbies, I believe um, they've gotten Tottenham's way or they've been draws. So this was like a big win for Arsenal to kind of get that, that um, I guess the bragging rights back in the rivalry. But I feel like Arsenal now have a chance to, if they can keep up the momentum, I think they might have a chance to finish above uh, Tottenham for the first time in I think a couple of years. So that's going to be a good one to watch is just to see if Tottenham can bounce back from this and actually um try to finish above Arsenal because it doesn't look like they'll probably get top four at this point. I think top four is two out of the, out of the picture for Tottenham, but uh, maybe, maybe it's there, but I don't know. But overall it was a really good North London Derby. It was, it lived up to expectations, lived up, as I say, exceeded expectations. Um, A very, very fun game, but moving on to the Manchester United West Ham game. um, It finished one nil in Man United's favor. It was a own goal by Craig Dawson. Uh, that sealed the fate for West Ham. No Jesse Lingard, obviously, because of the lone parent. Um, uh, I guess, like, not obligation, but the rules where if you're the parent club, they can't play against the parent club in the Premier League. So no Jesse Lingard for West Ham. But Mason Greenwood, he did start up top in this game. Martial was not was not in the starting lineup. I, I, I would say Mason Greenwood. I've said it before, but... The kid looks really sharp. I know his goals, he has not scored as many goals as he did last season where he basically lit up the Premier League during the project restart. But I will say, even though he's not getting the goals, he is still contributing a lot in terms of making good runs. He had a chance to basically score, I think, a brace at this game, but he just hit the post twice um, in this one. But overall, even in the games he started, I feel like the games he started as striker, you can kind of see the natural tendencies he has of being a striker and I know a lot of times when he's played he's played out in the right wing and right wing isn't his preferred position he's definitely a striker by heart and I feel like he, he can't he's not utilized well enough on the right wing I would love to see him get more um, opportunities as a striker so I'm glad Solskjaer is starting to give him some more um, more game time as a striker because I think that's where his future is and he just looks really sharp he just looks like he adds more dynamite to the United front line than Martial has this entire season. So I'll leave that at that. <laughs> the entire season? Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Martial's game, just Martial... not, been, it's not been very sharp this season. I just don't know what's up with him, man. I mean, he did pull the pen in uh, yeah. the City game. I'll say that. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
he, so he did do he, that. He got he something. Did, I mean, he, he's not been like a total disappointment. I know we've mentioned this before, but as the years go by, I feel like Marcial um, isn't really going to live up to the, I guess, the hype and expectation that United had for him when they signed him from Monaco, where they signed him to be like the next greatest player in the Premier League of all time, like Thierry Henry-esque. It's looking more likely that that's not going to be the case. And, you know, I feel like now Marcio has kind of have to find a way to kind of rekindle some of that magic he had. And maybe he's not going to live up to the expectation of being the next Henri and stuff like that. But if he can at least become more of a consistent, you know, person that can produce, I feel like he's still valuable to the Manchester United lineup. But I don't know if he's still starting 11 quality um based on this season because, you know, this is like, I think, year five of Marcio at Manchester United. I know last season he really did well in terms of scoring 20 goals in the season, but it's like this season he's starting to show that maybe last season was maybe a bit of an anomaly in his career and maybe this is kind of like the, I guess, like seasonal average you would expect from Martial. I feel like maybe he's like living up to Lacazette level hype where it's like he had all this mm-hmm. hype and then he's now at 24 and it's just like, dang, this is like kind of like what we're going to get. If you, if you get what I mean. Yeah, it's like he's already hit max. <laughs> he's hit his, was it the ceiling? Yeah. Like it's just like this is just the best he's ever going to be. Mm-hmm. And dang, that's actually crazy because that means I, I don't think Martial was going to settle being you know, a bench player yeah, or like a rotational player. So at that point, it's like, I guess you have to move from him, but who would you bring in instead at that point? Like, I I feel like that's a question we've always been kind of answering. And then I always myself also still think it's Greenwood because Greenwood, you know, he's two footed. Like he has, you can use both feet. And even in this game, although he hit the post twice, like he had that mentality. He's like, I'm going to take my shot. I'm going to find a way to take my shot. Mm-hmm. And he like he let it rip, and that's the kind of mentality you need as a striker. And yeah. for Martial, is is very much like he's too. Timid it's not sometimes. always there. Yeah, he's, he's too a, timid, he's too or timid. he just tries to try to dribble about. I'm like, mate, you're not a winger anymore. It's <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, just that, get in there, get the goals. That, that's the thing. Um, that kind of, if you were to ask any United fan, the one thing that's very frustrating about Martial is that he will go through spurts where he just looks like a total flop and then we'll have like that one moment of magic where it's like dang this guy is doing things that like some of the greatest players of right now are doing and he just scored a goal like that where he's just dribbling past people and then literally doesn't put a ton of power in his shot just like perfectly places the shot in like the corner of the net where it's like unstoppable he'll do things like that but that'll basically he'll do them every now and again um but then you'll get a bunch of games where he just doesn't show up and it's just like gosh what is this guy doing so it's like he's definitely one of probably one of the more frustrating players to follow where it's just like you get those certain magical moments where it's like, dang, this guy's doing stuff that Messi or, you know, Lewandowski, like some of the best players right now are doing. He does it in like little spurts. And then it's just like he doesn't do it consistently enough, which is tough, you know? I don't know about Messi or Lewandowski, but he definitely does like the... um. And some of the goals, like some of the goals he scores are just very, um, just like very world-class level. Some of the goals he has scored, mm-hmm. I, I remember the one against Watford last season where he did miss the initial shot, but then he like closely dribbles the ball, jukes out the keeper, and then just dinks it over him. I mean, 
Oh, I remember it, that. Yeah. He just does stuff like that where it's just like, come on, like why can't you do that more consistently? And that's the tough part when you follow Martial. In Martial's journey at Manchester United, I would say. Mm. I mean, even still, it kind of reminds me of Gabriel Jesus. It's just like <laughs> you want so much out of him, and it's just like, no, this is this is it. This is there's nothing more from this. This he's is getting to the point where it's like that's it is what it is. <laughs> and yeah, then, no. I mean, I, I agree with you. And then, um, I mean, I, I've mentioned this before about Marcial, it's just the overall kind of frustration factor when it comes to following him. And I will also mention that Bruno Fernandes and Marcus Rashford, there was a pitcher while this game was being played. I think it was like the 90th minute, even though both players try really hard in terms of running up and down the pitch, there was a moment in time where both of them were just on their knees, like gasping for air. And it's just like, these two have really carried the uh, United season. I know they've been like spurts of Pogba playing really well. I know Pogba's done a really good job, but overall, Bruno and Marcus Rashford, they're the highest goal scorers at the club right now, I believe. Um, and they've just been carrying the club during this entire um, Premier League season, which isn't too bad, but it is a uh, pretty over-reliance on two players that Marcus Rashford has shown that he has gotten injured a couple of times. And luckily, Bruno, knock on wood, has not, uh, has not picked up an injury, but... Um, yeah, like they've just been playing a lot of minutes in the Premier League, just tiling up a lot of minutes. And it's a little worrying, but it's just like United don't really have another option because Donny Van de Beek is injured and doesn't play. Paul Pogba is recovering from injury. Daniel James, you know, is Daniel James. You can't expect him to be, you know, mar- performing at Marcus Rashford levels. Martial really hasn't stepped up to the plate this season. Edison Cavani is coming back from injury. So um, over-reliance on two players, but it's kind of, what Solskjaer is kind of forced into doing because it's like they, he just has to be forced into using these two players. Um, so it's a little worrying, but I still feel like it's it's not the worst thing in the world, I would say. Mm-hmm. And I would say with the international break, you know, there is a quote-unquote a break for some of the players, but those still in the FA Cup, still those still who will go to their national teams, their international teams to play, you know, they don't really get a break, but I, I would say like half the squad who don't go to either <laughs> will get a, get a little bit of a rest. And I think that'll help not only United, but also just majority of the Premier League because, you know, everyone needs a break every once in a while. But yeah. before we also go to like the next topic, I want to also kind of say West Ham. This is actually a, a top six game, too. Like this yeah. is a a game where it was basically yeah, manual at the time. David Moyes behind. returns to Old Trafford. The yeah, one. David Moyes came back. And he did decent well, decently well. And there is a stat that I saw that was actually really interesting to me. Or it's not really a stat, but more like a table. And someone made a table of all the games played behind closed doors in the Premier League and showed what the table looked like. West Ham is, I believe, like top six. Wow. <laughs> like Liverpool were right above them because, you know, Liverpool did pretty bad behind closed doors. But City were going off. Man, you were going off. Leicester was doing really well. But Surprisingly, West Ham was doing really well. And I kind of use this table to kind of see what teams did better without their fans. And I, I always joked saying that West Ham fans were always kind of more aggressive towards their players, a little bit more toxic. You know, the environment sometimes was a little bit hard to play in at home for the for the Hammers. And the stats don't lie. <laughs> like, they're actually doing better about Numbers the fans. Don't lie. Numbers never Numbers lie. Numbers don't lie. So... I mean, maybe they should just <laughs> just close their doors forever. All the time. 
But I, I, it was also, I, yeah. Yeah, I also think like it's a combination of things, but I do think that um, at certain times when fans do turn against their players and manager, it definitely does not help in terms of the confidence of the players when you have fans booing you all the time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you also have to thank Messi Lingard joined the team during, yes. you know, closed doors. So you also have to consider <laughs> that as a big factor. But I mean, West Ham is one of the clear teams that really got a significant boost playing behind closed doors. And Liverpool is a clear, significant downgrade from playing behind closed doors because like right now the two teams are kind of running away with it, at least in this, you know, closed doors table was Man City, who only lost five times behind closed doors and like Man U actually, which was surprising to me because I was thinking I was like, wow, they're both integrally just good teams then. And then you can just see how much of a boost Liverpool gets just from playing at home. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's also other factors too. Just you know, no having or not having any center backs, you know, things like that. But <laughs> it really does show that, at least for Liverpool, that twelfth man really does play a factor. Just like how for the Seattle Seahawks, being one of the loudest stadiums in the whole nation, I would say, like mm-hmm. it just kind of ruins. It, it really gives a disadvantage to the opposition team. And mm-hmm. I would see like at Anfield too. It's just so it's so much of a fortress, so like demanding. To pl- even play there, it's just like it kind of puts the pressure on the other team and also puts the pressure on the Liverpool team to like really perform and keep yeah. them accountable. And without that, we're starting to see Liverpool struggle. But I guess that's a good transition. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we to, were about to talk, mention the Wolves-Liverpool game, Liverpool beating Wolves 1-0. But um, yeah, I mean, Tyler, you can kind of take it away with this one, with the, with how Liverpool performed, <laughs> I would say. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, it's a. It was a, as Klopp said, three points. He'll just take. Like he, he doesn't care how he got it. It was a kind of scrappy game, but that's the scrappy game we we really needed. It was one of those games where I felt like we didn't play too beautifully. The man mm-hmm. of the match was uh, Kabak, who did really well, and then like second place was Daniel Phillips. So that's that's already saying something about the game. It's just the defense did really well. Diego Jota scored against his old team. It was, it's always something I think about. I'm like, when you score against your old team, do you celebrate or do you kind of do the, uh, you know, put your hands up and just, you know, say, sorry, uh, I'm not celebrating. But Diogo Jota, he he celebrated. And he I don't know if it was more relief because he just came back from injury or more relief for the team because they're finally, you know, ahead for once in a game. You know, both teams are kind of been struggling this season. Wolves. Losing Raul Jimenez really put a big hindrance on the team. Like, I, I would, I was surprised how poorly Wolves have been doing this season without him. And it really shows, like, there are certain teams, like we've mentioned before in like other episodes, where, like if you take one player out, like the team kind of falls apart. Like if you take Bruno Fernandez out of Manchester United, they kind of fall apart, uh, at least yeah. offensively. And then for Liverpool, if you take out Van Dijk their defense kind of falls apart defensively. And I would say for Wolves, you take out Raul Jimenez, I guess everything falls apart. <laughs> yeah. Like all their goals, their hold-up play when they're trying to hit mm-hmm. on the counterattack. And also, Adama Traore, they, the, the connection him and Raul Jimenez had last season was incredible. But this season, Adama Traore has zero goals and zero assists in the Premier League. So, um, Adama Traore has definitely been like one of the major players that has suffered in the Wolves side without Jimenez there. Hmm. And, you know, Jimenez, it's even crazy that with a skull fracture, he's 
you know, eventually going to be back. Like that's, that's crazy. But also Roy Patricio, unfortunately suffered a pretty bad head injury mm-hmm. with a collision with Connor Cody. Hopefully he'll be back soon. Man. Like, you know, praying for him. Hopefully he recovers quickly, but yeah. you know, he was conscious after the game. Like he was still talking, but that was, that was rough. That was something you never want to see, but luckily, you know, he's doing better, but at least for the game itself, I kind of want to go back to that question, Yosh. Like, let's say, let's say uh, you were in this position of these players, and then you scored against your old team. Ooh. Do you celebrate, or do you, uh, do you just you know put the hands up? What do you do? I think it depends. I think if I if I was a, I guess quote unquote former club legend. Let's say if I'm a, um, let's let's say if like like say for example, like Cristiano Ronaldo when he scored against Manchester United for the first time against Real Madrid, he did not celebrate he just kind of put his hands up i think i would probably do that but if i played for your club maybe a couple times like a couple years and like i had some good years and such i think i would i would probably celebrate because i mean it's not like a form of disrespect like i'm not going to go out of my way like emmanuel Adebayor and take off my shirt and like run around the pitch if i do like a just a normal knee slide or like a theo walcott where it's just like you know you're just kind of like celebrating with your new teammates i think that's totally fair um you know, you may get like a certain booze and be like, oh, like screw you or whatever. But um, I feel like if you left the club the right way and you don't like talk smack about your old club, like maybe like a Di Maria where he's just like, you know, always trolling Manchester United when he can. If you left the club in a respectable way and um, you score against them, I think you have all the right to celebrate. So that's why I would celebrate. Um, so as long as I don't do like a, I wouldn't do a very disrespectful celebration. Like I wouldn't just start shushing everyone or like running around, taking off my shirt, but I would definitely celebrate. Um, especially if I left the club in good terms and you know, it's just kind of, I did the best decision for me. I I would celebrate. How about you? Yeah. I'm thinking the same. I wouldn't go down (laughs) to the pettiness level of like, you know, Antoine Winfield doing the peace sign to Tyreek Hill in the Super Bowl kind of (laughs) pettiness. But like, I would I would, yeah, it would really depend on how I exited the club or what the old club kind of role I had was. Like, if I was bench warmer the whole time, then it's like, it won't really matter. I can celebrate. But if it was, if it was like, you know, Steven Gerrard scoring against his old team, then obviously he probably wouldn't celebrate. I, I probably wouldn't either. Like, if, if I had it, like a lot did, of respect, but I can't remember. Did Suarez score against Liverpool when they tied, or was it just Messi? No, Suarez scored and he celebrated. Oh. <laughs> I was like, "This man!" I'm like, "Of course he did." <laughs> was it was it a bad celebration? Was it, did he just kiss his fingers and then just slid on his knees? Yeah, like just the his signature one, All his right. signature. You know, how did you? I guess like, how did you feel being in that situation as a Liverpool fan? I was, I I, I was upset because he scored, but also like, I couldn't even be mad because like I was like, I, I know he would do that. Like, <laughs> do you do you think it changes? I guess for him because he he hadn't played. It had been what like five years since he last played for mm. Liverpool? Like, does the time frame play, the, yeah, play the a time, factor's role? I don't like, know. Did I would Torres say, ever score against Liverpool as a Chelsea player? Not that I remember. Torres did not do really well at Chelsea. Yeah. But I was going to say, he did have like those random moments like Barcelona where he scored. True. Like, like Torres was like the most important but also underwhelming signing for Chelsea. Like he, he helped him win trophies but like his stat sheet was just so bad. Yeah, he missed an but, open goal against United where he literally rounded the keeper wide open and missed it. <laughs> that was... If if listeners don't know what goal we're talking about, literally just what... 
Torres miss against United. <laughs> like that was that was an iconic miss because he was just like a prolific player. That's like basically if Harry Kane, I feel like, were to just miss an open goal. Like it was that bad. And Jeez. for me, I feel like for the timing thing, Liverpool fans still hate Raheem Sterling. Like I like Dang. every time he enters Anfield, he just it's just Is it because he left for money? Reason? He left for money and also it's just like he's just kind of bad mannered when he left too. So like he's just always introduced with like a, a wave of booze and you know hurls at him and he always played poorly whenever the fans were there. So like he he only did well at Anfield when there's no fans. <laughs> so you know that was playing on him too. But you know I feel like Raheem did this kind of grown up a little bit more. But you know Suarez is always Suarez. He's he's always gonna be what happens on the pitch stays on the pitch and he's gonna be the guy who you know does whatever it takes to win and. He's always that kind of character, and that's just who he is. So, you know, to see him celebrate, like, I wasn't surprised. Coutinho, if he did it, I don't even, I don't remember if he, I don't think he ever did score on Liverpool, but he's the type of player where that, that one is more of a 50-50, where you'd be upset if he did, but if he didn't, then he'd be like, okay, that's that's fair. But he also left because he wanted to go to Barcelona, and Grass ain't always greener on the other side. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> Left right at the perfect time in terms of not winning any trophies. <laughs> I guess he, he did end up getting a Champions League, but with the other team, Bayern Munich, not even Barcelona. <laughs> All right, true. That's true, actually. <laughs> oh, man. But no, I, I think that's true. I think it does play a little bit into the factor of like how how long it's been since he left. I know Theo Walcott, when he did score against Arsenal, he did celebrate, but it wasn't like, a disrespectful one. It was kind of just like a relief because like he doesn't score that often anymore. So when he did score, he was just like, oh my God, I scored. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh my gosh, I scored. <laughs> it's like it was my one time to celebrate. Just let me do it. Yeah. So I, I think it's, I think all these factors kind of play in a role to it. But I think overall, um, I think if you leave respectfully, um, no matter the timeline, I still feel like you, you have the right as a player to s- celebrate if you score because I know we we look at scoring as kind of easy, not easy, but we see these really great players like score 10 goals a season or 15 goals a season. And then you have Messi and Ronaldo scoring 30, 40 plus a season. And it's like, Oh, it, they, they probably score every other game. But for a lot of players, it's like maybe they score one time every two seasons, like Luke Shaw or, you know, they're Harry Maguire. Maybe they get two goals a season and that's it. Or they're a random midfielder that gets like, you know, they're a winger that doesn't score a lot. They assist a lot where they get maybe five goals a season. It's so like when that happens, I feel like you should celebrate because it's like it doesn't come around too often. So when it does, you should uh, take joy in that unless you're losing, mm-hmm. of course. I, <laughs> yeah. This reminds me of like um, like one of the other like I listened to a few other podcasts and like one of the key ones to listen to is like the Peter Crouch podcast. And he mentioned how one of his old teammates, he, he would rarely score, but he had he had one of those shirts underneath the shirt that had a message on it. And he would never be able to score to show what the message was. So no one ever knew what it was the entire time he was there. And he never scored. But, um, I mean, you even got celebrations like that. That, you know, it, it could be something bigger than football, obviously. But, I mean, that's also, that was just kind of funny. That one to throw out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, no. And then, I, it's also crazy when you have... Uh, Players like Messi that scores all the time, but then when he scored against El Clasico, like the game winner, he takes off his shirt and then just holds it up. That's an iconic one. Yeah. That's, Before we get too too yeah. deep into this tangent, well, <laughs> what about this? What what is your go to celebration, Yosh? 
Like, you know how like everyone has a default. See, I, yours, I, if you can describe it verbally. <laughs> oh, man. Dang. See, you know what's hard? Spot right there. When you're not a professional, I feel like professionals do practice their celebrations because doing a knee slide yeah. is low-key, like, it Painful. looks like it hurts. I'm not even going to lie. It is. It does hurt. Yeah. Unless you have, like, the high socks on, but, yeah. you know, most of the time in Georgia, you're playing on, like, half dirt and unmowed grass. Yeah. It, it, and it's dry. It's not too, great. It's not raining mm-hmm. all the time or the pitch is not wet. It's just dry. Yeah, you just kind of slide in on sandpaper. It feels mm-hmm. like at times. So oh. even turf too. It's just like you want to scratch up your leg. It's like go for it. <laughs> exactly. So I feel like I couldn't perform the knee slide because I'm like, I'm not I'm not risking damaging my knee. And also I wouldn't do the backflip because I'm not agile enough to do and I'm not athletic enough to perform a backflip. Uh, so I feel like the most iconic one and one of the easiest ones to do is just do the Ronaldo C celebration, <laughs> his his signature um, run and jump. I feel like it's so simple to do and it's just like very hard to screw up. And also the chances of you getting injured from that are pretty low. Um, obviously, you could just land really awkwardly on your knee and then just like it's gone. But I feel like that one would probably be a good because it's easy to perform and it looks cool. But I feel like that's probably the go to because everything else. Yeah, either that or just running around like a madman, like while you're all your teammates surround you. So either that, that one or that one. So how about you? I, I feel like yours, from what I've seen from experience, is just running around. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more of a relief that it happened. Not really relief. It's just more like shock. It's just <laughs> like oh, like it's just like as if. Every goal is like you scored in the World Cup, like that kind of. Yes. Your face just explodes. That's the energy you need, right like there. That's the passion. It's like need. that feeling, like how I describe it is like you know when you're a kid and you're just so intrigued by like the littlest things. Like you can find your maximum happiness from like getting some random toy, mm-hmm. like just some random like little aircraft or like some random like Yu-Gi-Oh card, and it's just like that just makes your entire day, and it's just like that that pure joy and happiness. It's just so much harder to get when you're older because like when you're a kid, you kind of experience all the simple things. And it's just like, you know, I got this like little toy. And it's just like it, it just this is my entire world. But then when you're older, it's like, man, now you have to do so you have to do more extreme things like go on a trip or, you know, do something that's like a life goal and finally succeed at it. And then you can finally get that fulfillment. But for Yush, when he scores that kind of joy that you can see from like a kid, like it just lights him up. <laughs> And that's something that's like, I was like, dang, this is I wish also I could coming feel. from the same person that has, um, that's like Miss Fernando Torres esque quality misses. <laughs> <laughs> like right in front of the goalposts. Like just all he has to do is tap it in and hits the, uh, somehow goes up in the air and hits the crossbar. <laughs> Doesn't even hit the cross. Yeah, it hits the crossbar from like one yard, like one foot away from the goal. That's a classic Yash Ken. Score some some bangers every once in a while, but then also miss chances that are easier to score. <laughs> that's I mean that's how it is in a rec league world, but yeah, that's just know. how it be out in the uh, out in the streets when you're not a professional. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say for for me though, in terms of my default celebration, I don't know. I always just do the classic, just like one hand up in the air, just like point to the sky. It's just like I'm not super religious or anything, but. You know, it just looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, you know, Jake Fromm for UGA, he's not really that cool anymore. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of lost his edge from the UJ fans, things like that. But yeah. that celebration where he kind of like runs and puts his arm up and points, very similar to that, I would I would say. Nice. Is what I do as default. Because it's not also too like showboaty, where it's enough for the other team's defender to try to, you know, take your legs out. So it's just like it's like it's low key enough to be like yay, but also not to you know show you off to you know rival up the other team to you know try to break your legs because I don't know I just have a fear of injuries now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a small boy, a small man. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that I think that's a good celebration. I think that's pretty good. That's a solid one. Yeah, like you said, yeah. it's not it's not one that's gonna make someone else really mad and like want to kick you in the face. If uh, I was if I was cooler, I'd do the Dybala, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the mask. What? I, I guess like one last digit cool before this. Like I'm always it always like scares me when players do like really wild celebrations, like a backflip or a front flip and stuff. Like Obama Yang and like Nani did it back in the day. Because I'm just like really scared because like what if you land awkwardly and then like, you know, you get injured because of that. i I would hate to get injured because of a celebration, you know? So there That's was always- a famous player that got injured in a celebration. I really? don't know if it was soccer or NFL, but I remember there was a time where a player, I think, pulled something doing a, a backflip or like a dolphin dive. And then there <laughs> that player was out for like a month from the celebration. And I was thinking, I was like, never again <laughs> would I even attempt something like that. So I don't know. Yeah. I forgot who it was. It's escaping me, but... If any fan knows, please leave a comment to remind me which player got injured from a celebration. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Because, yeah, I, that's the always thing that's always been on the back of my mind. I was like, man, this is really cool that they pull it off. But like they have a lot of confidence to be able to pull something like that off consistently. Um, So, you know, guys, to them that they shout can out do to it, uh, it's Robbie Keane for still doing cartwheels at like 37 years old. The <laughs> <laughs> signature. Oh, my gosh. Yes. But uh, th- yeah, that was a weird, like, that was, I don't know how we got an tangent of celebrations and other stuff, but that was a good one. But I guess circling it back to the, the Premier League real quickly, the Leicester City-Sheffield game, Leicester won, uh, won this game 5-0. Kalechi Iheanacho, don't forget the name, the Nigerian scored a hat trick in this game. Obviously, you know, he was a former Man City um, player, got purchased by Leicester City, but now he's actually showed up a couple of times this season with some goals, got a hat trick, but... Unfortunately for Sheffield United, Tyler and I, before the episode, officially deemed them toast. And we can finally, I guess, say it live on air on this episode that they are officially toast for this Premier League season. So that definitely means that they are getting relegated. A dark burnt toast, I would say. They don't even get lightly crisp. Lightly crisp is safe for Fulham right now. They're getting there, but they're slowly etching their way out of the toast zone and unfortunately for Sheffield, they are crispy as they can get <laughs> as right now with their toast. But they didn't even get a new manager bounce with this one because two days before the game or I think it was two days or a day before the game, Sheffield United announced that hit, that the club and Chris Wilder decided to mutually agree to part ways. So not really a sack, but more of like a res- resignation, I would say, resigning from your current position. And it's a little Mm -hmm. bit sad because uh, if you didn't know the Chris Wilder story, it's his boyhood club. He's been here for, as a manager, I feel like, I think it's been more like four or five years. He's been there for a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's been at the club for a very long time. It's his boyhood club. I think he actually played for the Blades as well. So it's kind of like he was living out his lifelong dream of being a manager. And last season, he took him to unexpected heights. 
Obviously, Project Restart was not very kind to them. They had a very, very poor record in Project Restart. It carried over to this season, and he was finally let go. And unfortunately for Sheffield, they had an own goal by Ethan Ampadu, and it was just not a good display from the Blades. They didn't even get the new manager bounce. So um, definitely you can tell Sheffield are just trying to figure out who they're going to want to have and keep for the championship next season and just rebuild from there. It's it's so hard to watch Sheffield yeah. right now because you you know what's coming. You know they're gonna lose. Like it's not even worth this playing. This team for somehow pride at beat this point. Manchester United at Old Trafford. Huh. They just <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> they make had to sense. win something. <laughs> it's like it, as I say, it's always hard to streak, even if it's losing streaks. So I guess they had to break it some way. <laughs> it's against Man U. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to show off Dean Henderson. It's like. You left us. <laughs> <laughs> Look what you've done. But, but um, it, mm-hmm. this is, I guess, one, one quick thing. Of the, it just doesn't make sense because I thought the signings they made this season was going to be enough to keep them up in the Premier League, like Ethan Ampadu on loan, um, Aaron Ramsdale, a young goalkeeper. I mean, he's not Dean Henderson level, but he's still, he's young and he's from Bournemouth. And they sign, um, gosh, why is the striker's name? Rian Brewster. Yeah, Rian Brewster, the youngster that we thought was going to, hopefully contribute a little bit in the Premier League this season. Hasn't done that. They spent a good amount of money, I guess, getting some replacements, but it just has not lived up. They have, all three of them, I would say, have not lived up to the expectation that um, that we had going into the uh, going into the season. Mm-hmm. And, like, Sheffield is a, like, decently large club. Like, it has a pretty good following. It's, like, it's one of the more populated areas of England, if I'm um, yeah, research Harry correctly. Maguire, Kyle Walker came from there, from mm-hmm. Sheffield. So they played like, at Sheffield United. I think like Vic Star is a Sheffield United fan. Oh, <laughs> the nice. YouTuber. It's just like you know, it's just like those random teams, and you see like a lot of I don't know. My, my reference mostly is like YouTubers, and then you yeah. see like you know, like KSI is like a he's near. Oh, he's an Arsenal fan, but I think him and like Mini Minter were around Watford area, mm-hmm. and then like um. But Mini Minter is like a Leeds fan or something. But yeah, <laughs> it's like kind of things like that. And like R9 Rise, I know is for sure like a Leeds fan. But um, it's just kind of like those things. It's like this is actually a low key kind of big club. It's just kind of sucking. It's like the Jacksonville Jaguars of <laughs> the Premier League. You know, they had one Saxonville season and the next season it's like, well, back to Jacksonville right here. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I I don't know at this point if Sheffield are going to d- get that bounce back from the championship back up to the Premier League. Because I was thinking if Chris Wilder stayed, you know, they have a pretty high chance of coming back. It's kind of like when Burnley got relegated and they just came straight back almost within like a season or Dang, two. That was a long time ago. Not not like a long, long, time, long ago. time ago, but like it felt it feels like a while because, yeah, I do remember that. They got they got they went down with Danny Ings. That was their that was like their main player. And then Liverpool mm-hmm. by Danny Ings. And now, um, yeah, no, I remember that. Yeah, oh, they trust in Son Dyke, and then he like they he brought him back up, and they're still kind of chugging along in the Premier League, just you know, always making upsets against you know like Everton this past weekend. But they always find a way to stay. And I mm-hmm. thought Sheffield was going to be one of those teams that would you know entrust in Wilder, and they just come back, you know, and get back in the get back in the groove like how they did in the previous season. But now I don't know if they're even going to do well in the Championship at this point. Like, unless, I mean, it'll be easier for Rian Brewster to do a little better. You know, Ampadu will be <laughs> doing a little better, too. Like, you can't really go any worse from how you're doing now. So, 
as they say, it's it's only up from here after they get relegated. But, you know, I will have to say, give credit to Leicester. They played excellent. Jamie Vardy had some of the best assists I've ever seen this game. And, you know, he's doing it all. Getting assists, getting goals, destroying corner corner flags. Yeah, like playing he's, he's doing it all. corner flags. Like yeah. guitar hero on corner corner flags. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who he has against those corner flags, but just, <laughs> just who he is. He just cracked up on Red Bull, literally. Apparently, he, he drinks two Red Bulls before every game. That's that's not... I don't think that's very good for your heart. Dude, it doesn't matter. He's a Premier League star. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. But uh, that's not saying our, our fans should do that. Don't do that. But no. <laughs> we don't, definitely do it's, not it's just a one man. <laughs> one man can do that, and that's Jamie Vardy. But, you know, Leicester, surprisingly, or not surprisingly, at least since it's Sheffield, but they're... You know, they bounce back. I thought it would be the the start of the second half of the season demise and decline of Leicester under Brandon Rogers, but you know, they're showing little blips, little glimpses that it might not happen, or at least as severely. We'll just have to see what happens when they face a team that's non relegation and <laughs> see how they do. But hmm. man. But I mean, like you said, uh we'll we'll watch out for the uh see if that second half slide is gonna come for Leicester, but as we mentioned with the again with Sheffield, um, we've talked about them before. They are officially toast, and we can label it as officially toast because there's just no way they can come back from this one, especially after letting Chris Wilder go. And finally, we have the Everton Burnley game. Um, before um, before we I guess get really I guess stuck into this game in terms of talking about it, Burnley won this game two one, but it was Dwight McNeil that stole the show with his wonderful solo finesse with his left foot. Perfectly placed, upper 90 in the top left corner. Uh, Jordan Pickford had no chance of saving that one. It was an absolute beautiful goal. Like probably one of the best goals of the season. And then obviously the Rabona that Eric Lamella did the next day. But this was a top quality finish from Dwight McNeil, who I believe um, when I checked, he was on the under 21 England roster for the, uh, I think he was the Olympic qualifying. So um, kudos to him. He has been... um, he, you know, he's kind of, he's that one player in Burnley who kind of has the, doesn't fit, I guess, like the Burnley stereotypical mold of like mm-hmm. very tall, very physical player. He is like, he's one of those players that has, has shown flashes of him doing very skillful things and pouring, like performing the spectacular. And we saw that today where he performed um, probably one of the best finesse shots of, of the season. That was incredible, that goal. It was so, yeah, it's so weird seeing Dwight McNeil kind of fit into this team. Like, he's not, yeah, he doesn't really fit. I mean, there is, like, Ashley Westwood and, like, um, Brady. Yeah. I forgot his first name. Robbie Brady. <laughs> the Robbie. Irish guy. Robbie. Yeah, Robbie Brady. Yeah. And, you know, like, there's, they're not, like, huge, huge. They're not, you know, like, Chris Wood. They're not, like, you know, Vidra. You know, ben those Mee. kind of players up top. Like yeah, Ben Mee. Kind of Tarkowski, you can just go through the whole rest of the team, but like <laughs> Nick Pope. they don't really fit that mold. And Dwight McNeil, especially, he's more of like a silky kind of dribbler kind of player. And for him scoring this goal, it really kind of showed that he has the potential to possibly get bought out by another team. Because like, there's always been talks of other teams trying to, you know, scout him out for for their own team. And he came from Manchester United, I believe, mm-hmm. like the Manchester yeah, United did. Academy. And he's doing, you know, yeah, he's only 21. I, just I didn't know he was 21. Yeah, I thought he was yeah. older. Yeah, literally, I thought the same thing. But I remember seeing him. Uh, he was rushed on the under 21. But it feels like he's been playing at Burnley for a very long time. But he's only yeah. 21. So he, also, he's getting, he has a ton of potential 
within him. He looks a little older than 21. Yeah. I guess it's the genes. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, he scored like a FIFA-esque goal where he just kind of like cut in and then just finessed it far he, like, post. Like, it past, was perfect. Um, Alan. Alan, he went right past him too. My man got trucked by Dwight. <laughs> but, I mean, Bert, like, this is literally some... Like, I saw a quote. It was like, you never doubt Burnley. You just got burnley And that's literally what happened to Everton. And... Thank goodness it happened to Everton, <laughs> but as a Liverpool fan, but you know, this is the type of things that Burnley does, like that we're just kind of mentioning, or they always find a way to get the occasional three points and just do enough to get stay in the Premier League. And that's what I thought Sheffield was gonna do, but you know, you know, Burnley's the OG and just somehow managing to squeak by, kind of like Crystal Palace. Mm-hmm. They just always find a way to stay. They just, just do just despite enough. me trying to like Yeah, they just do just enough. It's like the bare minimum. But it's just they're just so different that it just works. And Dwight McNeil being the odd man out, being the player that just kind of doesn't really fit the mold, just still kind of makes his way into it. Like when you see like Mulan kind of fake being like a man, <laughs> you see like Dwight McNeil trying to fake like, yeah, I don't even think he's really faking. He's just literally just doing his own stuff and like a team of huge people and it just works. So that's, I don't know. That's just a weird oddity that I always kind of question. It's just like, how does this keep working? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I, I think given his an age, actual I, think, enigma. I think there's definitely going to be a point in time where he might get sold to a, a little bit of a bigger team. I'm not saying maybe t- top six quality team, but just a little bit above Burnley because that Dwight McNeil has shown that he he can pull off the spectacular when given the chance. But this game, Everton once again soiling their chances to finish or at least get really close to finishing in the top four. They just somehow, they cannot take advantage of the chances they are given. And also... I think they have maybe one more game um, left um, to catch up with the rest of the Premier League. But all these games that they've been playing mm-hmm. have been basically catch up where they had games on hand in front of the people in front of them where they could have potentially gotten maybe, I think, three points away from Chelsea, three points behind Chelsea for fourth place. But they just kept losing and they like lost a chance once again against Burnley in this game. And uh, I just get it. I, I think there was one point in this game where we saw... Dominic Calvert-Lewin, he was in on goal. It was like a through ball. And he just had a really bad, like a poor first touch. And it allowed Nick Pope to basically pick up the ball and take it away from him. And I was just thinking, if this was August or if this was, excuse me, if this was September, um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, he's basically hitting that first time and it's going in the back of the net. So it just kind of shows that these players... I feel like overall I've gotten a lot better under Ancelotti and they've shown a little bit more consistency, but you can still kind of see a bit of that Everton uh, stuff, like history kind of crawling back where it's like these players aren't showing consistently for a whole season. They're not showing up um, for the full time. And I think it's starting to bite Ancelotti in the back where a lot of these players are not consistently showing up game in and game out for them. Um, so it's hurting Everton a lot in terms of finishing in the top four. That's what they get for being the subpar Liverpool team. <laughs> they just, you know, <laughs> expectations are lower, so <laughs> just living down to them. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, do you think uh, with these, with I guess like with these soil chances, do you think they've ran out of chances to finish in the top four? Or you think their top four hopes are done? Hmm. I would say for 
this bit. It's kind of like the Arsenal versus Tottenham situation where I feel like both Liverpool and Everton are kind of they're on the cusp of top four, but I don't feel like neither have what it takes to get into it, at least for the rest of the season compared to like the other two above them, like Chelsea and West Ham. Like they're just there's just something about those two that I feel like it's just a slight edge on them both. So it's just like, who's going to top who is Liverpool going to be a top as usual, or is Everton finally going to top Liverpool? And I still don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I think Liverpool are still going to be on top because it will be the end of the world if Everton are above Liverpool at the end of the season, especially after winning and the title would, last season, I would actually cry. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I mean, it's already bad enough that Liverpool aren't even top four. So, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think I don't think Everton can get into the top four because they just soiled their chances. If they would have somehow found a way to win this game and win the game before that, I would say that they would have a legitimate shot at top four. But I think now it's just a little bit too far gone from them uh, to finish there. But that'll be interesting to see um, for the Mersey side, I guess, side, which club finishes above each other. Like, will Liverpool finish again, once again, above Everton? Or will finally Everton... I guess what, when was the last time that happened? They finished above Liverpool in the Premier League. I actually don't know. It's. Um, I guess it's probably been a while, right? It's definitely been a while. Yeah, definitely so. long enough for me to like not remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we'll, we'll, that's something we have to just fact check. But I don't yeah. remember. Yeah, I think it's been a while too because I was gonna say that that. Yeah, I was just gonna mention that twenty thirteen. 2012 2013 season but i remember liverpool finished second that that year right that was the year they finished second or was that the next year 2013-14 oh that was next year yeah 2013-14 where they finished second and then everton finished in the what fifth place right for europa league i think something like that something like they that got europa league that year um then you got europa league once sixth. yeah <laughs> so we'll see we'll see what happens with uh with everton and such but that was uh, basically what we had, we have no preview section this week because um, this weekend in the Premier League, it's more of catch-up, I would say. Um, a lot of teams are just trying to finish out or catch up with the games that they have missed earlier in the season. Um, some due to COVID, some due to scheduling of European matches and FA Cup and such. So uh, not a full Premier League slate this weekend. And then the week after that, we actually won't have an uh, episode. So we are taking a break because there is an international break. So we won't have an episode next week. But we'll, we we will be back the following week once the Premier League resumes. So it's it's kind of crazy. I feel like in the uh, this season we we were like, man, when is the break going to come? And it's like finally it comes, but it's only one week, <laughs> one <laughs> random week out of March. So it is going to be super crazy and super packed, especially once the Premier League resumes once again after that international break. But as always, we'll always be here to cover it. But that um, wraps up episode 110 for us as we always say you can follow us at the premiere pod on instagram and twitter and you can follow us at youtube or subscribe to us on our youtube channel at the premiere pod where we post the video portion of the show um hey give us a follow on social media you can always hit us up with questions there on twitter we'll always respond to them instagram as well and yeah we appreciate the support and if you if you are listening to this on apple Podcasts, if you could drop a review or a rating um, that greatly helps too. But if not, simply recommending this podcast to someone that might like soccer or Premier League or anything of the above is always great too. And if you can't do that, just listening to it always means the world to us. So thank you so much for listening. Um, but yeah, that 
kind of wraps up season three episode 110 for us thank you guys so much peace peace